0: Now, let's get to work. Hello, and welcome back to the art of entrepreneurship. Today's topic is timely. Well, I guess I often say that because I always try to make them timely. But something that a lot of people and a lot of companies are experiencing right now is trying to bring more humanity into the workplace. I think as these new generations have entered the work world, they are demanding more. They aren't just working for companies that are trying to make money and sacrificing the health and wellness of employees, and they're not living to work anymore. They're using work as a tool to live. And in my opinion, that's exactly what we should be doing. So I have a very special guest, a friend of mine, Anna Oaks, who runs Oaks Co. and is also the head of people at Quartz. Today, we are talking about how the world of managing people and managing a culture that actually works for your employees has changed. And we are going to talk about this quiet quit thing. I think you're really going to love Anna's opinion on it. Welcome, Anna. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Ben. I'm happy. Yes. So I've known you in real life for a few years, more than a few years now, huh? And followed you online for a long time. And one thing that you talk about online and really like live out daily is the concept of bringing humanity back into workplaces. What does that mean to you?
1: I think, you know, humanity for me, a a lot of people hear that I was raised by hippies, Jackie, and they're like, oh, she only, she's soft. She only cares about the people side, which by the way, I don't think is bad if there is somebody who truly, truly leads that way. Yes, I care about the people because I was raised by hippies and because I think I'm human and I care about the performance of the organization. I mean, my roles before I was in people strategy and HR roles were Uh, customer service, strategy, um, account management, that type of, you know, I was director of account management team and we were in charge of servicing the clients and making sure that we grew our business. So I've always had that in my blood and accidentally fell into this work by being opinionated and asking questions about growth and response and how would we bring the people along with us during those high growth periods. So for me, humanity is about balancing, right? Mm -hmm. Don't think it has to be profits over people or people over profits. It can be Can be both together,
0: and so many companies make the mistake of just letting their people know later what's happening. Actually, that was that was the reason that I quit my full time job and started this company because I was thinking about it, and then I they announced that they were splitting the company in half and they were basically splitting the departments in half. And I was a leader. I mean, I wasn't on the core leadership team at the company, but I was a leader in the business. I was running a department, and I was kind of like you know, I deserve to know a little bit about this or like help make the decisions of where people go and talk to my team about it and not announce it on like a 400 person webinar. You know, that's not the way I would have done it. And so I completely see the need for people like you doing this kind of work in many companies. It's interesting when I, like, I looked at your LinkedIn um, profile and your bio and you talk about bringing humanity back into workplaces. Do you think there ever was humanity
1: in work? That's a good question. Oh my gosh, challenging my tagline, Jackie. I love it. Mm. I do. I do because I feel like if you layer on the changes and the advances in technology and the changes of humanity, and even in the last couple of years, as awake as we have become to the racial and social injustice that happens across this world, or the inequities that happen within the workplace all the time in small and big ways, we, I don't know if we were aware and we ignore them. I mean, I was talking about them for decades, right? But now mm-hmm. people are talking about them and I love it. I mean, I'm an agitator anyway, I'm there to stir the pot. I want people talking about the unspoken problems. You know, look, I say the grass is not greener on the other side, it's just a different color and there's always dog poop in the yard. Any group of people are going to have their problems. So I don't expect perfection, you know, but I do expect progress. And that's really where I love to see us pushing for progress. In the workplace, in big and small ways.
0: Yeah, it's so, you've been talking about this for so long, and now companies are finally starting to talk about it, especially COVID seriously changed so much for so many companies, right? And, uh, the high quit rates and people, my God, my LinkedIn feed for like months was just, I'm starting a new job. I'm starting a new job. And our clients, we signed a number of clients that the people that were running their marketing departments left while they were in the sales process with us. And they were like, oh no, you know, we don't even know how to run the things that they're doing. And it's like finally, employees were like, we're not putting up with this crap anymore. You know, like start treating us well and start paying us appropriately. And this, Oh, I'd love to know what you think
1: about the call back to the office. Oh, the call back to the office. You know, I mean, I have mixed feelings and and I have to preface it, not with a cop out, but of a acknowledgement that every system, every company has slightly different needs based on the industry that they're in and the culture that they built and who's leading them now and next, lots of different things. But I would say in general, the push to come back to the office is antiquated, right? Mm -hmm. It's What we've always done, it's how we knew that we were safe or felt like we were safe. It's how we knew what we, what was going on within our organizations, which really wasn't the truth, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there were things happening in organizations <laughs> that leaders did not know about for long periods of time. And I'm the one that has to handle them. Right. So like I can attest, that even when they're in the office, it's not perfect. So I feel like it was probably built on, hey, this is what we've always done. And and who am I, this little company or this big company to actually challenge and rethink work? I mean, who are you not to? Right. Like Mm -hmm. it's your company. This is how you choose to spend your time. If you're not challenging, shouldn't we be doing this better or differently or that better or differently Then what are you doing? Right. And not constantly, Jackie, like there's seasons for each of us where we can like push into things more. And there's seasons for companies, too, where they can be more rebellious and then they have to go quiet.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, so my husband, when COVID first started, when we were all sheltering in place, still had to go to the office under the essential worker, but he wasn't really an essential worker. And I think that the company was just used to seeing the people there doing their jobs. I mean, they even have like you need to be there at this time, you need to leave at this time, like in, in an office environment, which is pretty strict, right? Whereas like, I don't have a dang clue when my team's working. And like, if the work's getting done, it's like, great, the clients are happy. Great, I'm yeah. happy, right? Yeah. And we actually, we signed a lease with our office, right before covid it was like five Um, months we gutted the whole dang thing and now we the lease is now finally over three years later at the end of at the end of september and we've been selling all of our furniture out of it and stuff and people keep asking well you have this beautiful office why aren't you working in it and i was like no one wants to go back what am i gonna do be like you show up here even though i don't really want to be here so Mm -hmm. i can watch you work
1: See, that's that's one of the kickers, Jackie, and I'm still hearing leaders who are not only, you know, forcing in some respect their employees to come back into the office. um, But they're also still making really old decisions about like monitoring and tracking. I mean, there's a there's a company that was just reporting like saying, hey, you haven't swiped your card enough this month. Right. We had an agreement that you'd only be able to work two remote days and they're coming down. We're just creating more work for ourselves in this situation. But the point for you, Jackie, is that you don't want to come in. So you're open to that. If you have a leader who's in, and and this is not an age thing, but I'm going to give you one example. If you have a leader who is in their 60s or 70s and has been coming into the office, and that was a big part of their industry or their company, it's going to be really hard for that person suddenly to be completely Mm. open for this. And here's why it can't just be up to companies then. It has to be up to leaders, has to be up to employees. I look at those three big buckets when I talk about change. This is where the employees come into play. If you if you want to make a difference, if you don't want to have to come into the office, if you think that's important to your role and to other people's role, then you should say something like the like the petition that's happening in Meta right now because they're asked to come back as of September fifth, and they don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's where the balance of power it's really coming back towards the companies, Jackie. So everybody who's listening to this, please double down on like the the people side of things. Not because I feel like leaders can't make great decisions. I feel like they make short-sighted decisions when they don't truly know the voice of their people. So I was interviewing Katie Burke, who's the head of people for um, HubSpot. And Katie was just saying like, the first thing we do is listen to our people. And that's that's tricky because if you are listening but not willing to act, then don't even bother listening. But for a group like Doris, Jackie, or a group like HubSpot, who has shown such heart behind their caring of their people, yes, please listen and then respond. And you may not always be able to please everybody. You may not be able to, to respond in the best way, but if you're transparent about your decision-making process and you involve them in the conversation – you're gonna be getting so much more work out of them. It's the reciprocity between the company and the environment and the culture they provide and then what we actually expect of our employees to do and perform in.
0: Yeah, and if a company like HubSpot can do it, there's no excuse for a lot of other companies to be doing so. They've grown so quickly. They have a huge team now in lots of different countries, many locations around the US, like they can do it. You can do it any company really can do it that's that's got to be one of the reasons that they're rated one of the best places to work year after year i was looking at their glass door one day and i was like wow it's 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 honestly inspirational like all of because the company can say one thing about how they treat people but you know when you get to how employees speak about and team members speak
1: about how the company treats you that's like really where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the biggest problems, Jackie, is that maybe a company says that they want to listen and respond to their employees, but then when they have to put it into their operating system, when they have to operationalize, like, oh, how do we actually show them that we care about them by providing flexibility and the tools to do their work in a timely manner and outcomes over hours, it becomes more complicated. And that's when you start to have companies back off. So if the employees don't continue to push that pressure pedal, change probably won't happen.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So I see you post a lot on Instagram and it's on topics that they would really make old school HR people like clutch their pearls and be like, oh my God, you know, you can't say this from the company. (laughs) Tell me about your philosophy about how people should be managed at work and how work should be structured.
1: Ooh. You know, I think when it comes to people, um, I work in a sort of a pyramid for every organization, whether they're, you know, five people or 50,000 people, we have to first look at the foundation. So how, how will we manage them is like, how are we going to make them feel? It starts at the foundation of the pyramid, Jackie, like what, why does the company exist what are we trying to do? And often companies don't have enough clarity. I mean, I know how public you were about talking about your business coach and how much she helped you with your business. Every leader needs that. It's not because you're talented, it's because you cannot be all those things. So you need somebody that's going to give you that perspective to say like, okay, your what and why are pretty solid. Now, what are the values that we want to bring to life within this organization? What's important, right? Some people say like customer surf, some people say employees first, whatever that is say it and then figure out what the behaviors are that are going to match it because often companies stop at those values and then don't discuss how managers and employees should be living those out because that's the culture how we treat each other every day how we get work done every day is the culture and so if you don't have that solid foundation anything you do with the next level of like creating processes to support those foundations or then taking people practices, or even giving tools, it's all going to fall short because you don't have the strength and foundation. And so it goes back to what I do when I coach individuals too, Jackie. It's like your self-awareness is the number one predictor of success. Cornell Cornell University found that. It's the number one predictor of your success as a CEO, Jackie. It's going to work for all of us too. So we have to spend time understanding What do we want? First of all, we don't give give ourselves enough permission to ask ourselves that. And then what am I good at? I might want to do something, but then what am I good at? And and maybe I'm not good at what I want to do, but is it worth the effort for me? Then we make an educated choice. Companies have to do the same thing. Is this in our Mm -hmm. wheelhouse? Is this in our sweet spot? Do we have the right people that are going to help us achieve what we said we wanted to achieve instead of continuing to layer on more and more work for their employees? It's never going to work. It's not Mm -hmm. stable, it's not profitable. And a lot of companies, I've been in some very successful companies, Jackie, they're rolling in cash or they're doing okay. So they're like, oh no, everything's fine, but don't you wanna be better? Like an individual wants to look back on their birthday or New Year's Eve or whatever day of reflection maybe and say like, oh, I'm better than I was, right? Not perfect, but better. I want that, I I wanna be surrounded by people like that. And I wanna work for a company like that, that wants to be better. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll actually put in the effort to do that, not just like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we accomplished this thing and we took care of our people? OK, how are we going to do that?
0: Well, you know, I subscribe to that and I feel very inspired just listening to you right now. So I'm sure everyone else listening does, too. And I really appreciate that. I want to ask you one more question. What do you think about this quiet quit thing? It's finally made it to LinkedIn and now like every post on LinkedIn is about it, even though people have been talking about it on TikTok and Instagram for a while. What's your opinion?
1: Oh, two things, it's not new. And it's not bad, right? It's not new because in HR speak, right? We've been measuring employee engagement since at least the early 2000s, right? That's when Gallup started measuring and other organizations started coming out with indexes for it. It's a good data measure to show if we're doing what we said we're going to do within an organization. So when we measure employee engagement, it's that old. I mean, gosh, it is 2022, Jackie, like blows Mm -hmm. my mind for a second. Same. 22 plus years that we've been looking at engagement, we've also been looking at disengaged employees or actively disengaged employees. Those people who aren't going above and beyond. I mean, some organizations, they're meeting expectations when they're disengaged. They're like, okay, I'm not going to go above and beyond, but I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. And maybe you're going to tell me you wish I would have achieved more in my goals or you wish I would have read more books or came to more employee events, but I did the job you asked me to do, right? that that group has existed for a long time. So whatever we call them, meeting expectations, coasters, disengaged, whatever, they exist. And then you have the actively disengaged. These are people who are probably have moved away from indifference and probably are angry or hateful towards their employer. Mm -hmm. And I have to give in all of this, I have to give recognition that a lot of these decisions for people to quietly quit or coast come from or come as a reaction to the amount of effort that their employer is putting into them Mm -hmm. and maybe that's perceived Jackie maybe that employer could be like "Well, we're doing all these things hey your people are not feeling it and that's often my role there's a huge gap in this what you say you're doing and what you think you're doing and the impact on your people so quiet quitting in a season for you or I if You know, look, I've got kids going into middle school. I mean, there was a time where I had my hysterectomy and menopause started. Like, There are seasons in my life where I have had to pull back because energetically I didn't have everything that I needed to give to too many things or I wanted to pull back for myself, mm-hmm. that's okay, right? I don't think I've ever gone to like the actively disengaged, but to to let ourselves and give ourselves permission, I don't think we do that enough as humans. And again, we're working in an antiquated system who encourages these old behaviors. The pendulum swinging over here, I don't love the phrase quite quitting because I actually think it doesn't honor what we're really saying at our essence, which is more about like right-sizing our relationship with work. Mm-hmm. But, cool with everybody talking about it. Because again, it brings, uh, um, I guess, attention, Jackie, to like, what does the employee need to be doing differently to own their time in their career? And then what does a company need to do differently? There's still Mm -hmm. CEOs out there who insist that their people work for a paycheck. That is not the type of environment that today's employees are looking for. And so there's going to continue to be that push and pull against the employers and the companies, and I'm excited about it. We'll see which companies are able to respond and get the best talent and make the best results.
0: Yeah, I mean, this seems like a very logical step after everything that was happening last year with the quit rates and whatnot. And yeah, I was reading about it. And it's like, I see some people that are like, oh, always go above and beyond. And part of me is like, yeah, like that was ingrained in me by my army father, you know, like we always go above and beyond. And, you know, in everything I do, I like try to kill myself to make it amazing. And then I look back and I'm like, probably could have done less. Or why did I do that? Right. So like I'm unlearning some of that stuff actively while
1: I'm trying to appropriately shape the culture to support it. Right. Right. And it goes to one of my points, which is like, look, the the I I will give 110 percent or 150 percent is unrealistic. You have 100 percent of your energy to give every day, Jackie. And that's to the entire world, including yourself and your family and friends. What's left? That's what's le- that's what we should give our best to. Like if I give, let's just say I give 60% of my overall energy every day to my work, I'm going to make that a strong 60. But we also have to prioritize that not everything is as urgent as everybody thinks it is. And not everything is as important or critical to the business even. There's too much busy work happening, way too much busy work happening that says like, oh, it makes us feel good individually or collectively but does it really make a difference? If we pulled back on that, I mean, there's been experts and scientists st- studying this and researching this for years. If we pull back on that, the company doesn't actually do worse sometimes. And oftentimes they end up doing better because we took a lot of that busy workout. So I think this is the time for us to be talking about prioritization.
0: Mm, I think that is the perfect message to end the episode. We only have a hundred percent of ourselves. I've never actually thought about it in that way, that you know, you give a certain amount to everyone and everything you do, and you decide how much you give to work, make it a solid 60. I love yeah, that. Really? that. was fantastic. Anna, thank you so much for being here today. And for everyone listening, if you got value out of this episode, one takeaway, I would love for you to share it with one person that would like to hear the episode and hear Anna's wisdom. She's full of it. I love it. And I will see you next time. Thank you.